Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. And we're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Farm News Time here on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Coonan in studio. We'll have an update from Sierra Doctor as well. An upper-level low-pressure system will move through the region this afternoon and tonight. Low, uh, light snow is expected with this system with less than an inch of snow in eastern North Dakota, one to two inches forecast in northwest and west-central Minnesota. Heavier snowfall expected south of Lake of the Woods tonight. North winds will be strong at times. Southern Brazil and southern Paraguay received significant rains over the weekend. Southwestern Paraguay had 11 and a half inches, while rainfall totals of two and a half to nearly seven inches of rain were seen in other parts of southern Paraguay and northern Rio Grande do Sul. Crops have been damaged by flooding and replanting may be necessary. With two more trading days on the calendar, the fall crop insurance price for corn right now at averaging $4.90 per bushel. That compares to $5.90 a bushel last spring. Soybeans averaging $12.84 a bushel, down from $13.79 in the spring. Revenue guarantees will be triggered with the spring prices higher than the fall price. It appears the corn acreage will likely have the best chance to receive the crop insurance payments. President Joe Biden and Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack will be in Minnesota this week to promote the administration's investment in rural America. The presidential visit will be at a farm near Northfield. During the next two weeks, other cabinet members and senior administration officials will be traveling across the country for what is being called the Investing in Rural America event series. One of the priorities for the new House Speaker is to get the Farm Bill done. Gowan USA Agriculture Relations Director Cindy Smith spoke at the Agri-Women's Harvest of Knowledge Conference and said while that priority remains, it will be difficult to pay attention to what may be included. I think the most important thing um, right now is to just get a farm bill done. Uh, I think that there's a lot of um, interest in both the Senate and the House Ag Committees. They just need to work out the details uh, around the nutrition title and then crop insurance and subsidies. And then I think we just have to pay attention to things that people might attach to a farm bill. So um, right now, very few bills get passed in Congress. And so when people see something moving, they want to attach something to it. So um, I think we just have to watch what those things are. The Environmental Protection Agency also recently closed the comment period for new compliance rulings on endangered species. EPA right now is working through their compliance with the Endangered Species Act, and so they have put out some pilot strategies. Uh, one is around vulnerable species and the other is around herbicides, and I think the key there is to look at what is the impact to the American farmer. Uh, are there proposals in there that they can easily implement, or are there other options that need to be made available to farmers so that they can continue to grow food while also protecting endangered species. Minnesota Representative Michelle Fishbach introduced the Invest in Rural America Act. Compeer Financial Vice President of Legislative Affairs Perry Osnes says there are no additional costs associated with this program. Well, I don't care where you go across uh, Minnesota or even frankly across rural America, there's just a huge need for capital to help support our rural communities. Whether it's a hospital, a senior living, or child care, uh, or whatever. And, uh, you know, we think there's a way that Farm Credit can work with banks to help bring that capital back and support those rural communities. And we also believe that agriculture needs rural communities and vice versa. So 
The Investing in Rural America Act that uh, Congressman Fishpock has introduced would codify the ability for farm credit to work with local banks on behalf of rural communities. The interest rate environment is a significant hurdle for agriculture. You know, back in the 80s, it was maybe double, but uh, farmers and, and actually lenders are used to pretty low interest rates. And so as we look at how to stay, how our farmers can, can stay competitive and uh, keep costs down, certainly the the, uh, from a lending side, these interest rates are creating challenges for our, our customers. And as, as a uh, farm credit institution, we care deeply about our members because they own our associations. And so uh, we're doing what we can to try to keep them down. But we would all, I think, be better off with some lower interest rates. The European Union and Australia failed to finalize a free trade agreement over the weekend. Work began on this trade deal in 2018, and the two sides have been unable to and the deadlock, the Australian Trade Minister said the negotiations will continue. Reporting Agriculture's Business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Monday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Agribank District Farm Credit Council has recognized Minnesota Representative Michelle Fishbach with its Friend of the Farm Credit Award. Fishbach is a member of the House Ways and Means Committee, which has jurisdiction over many areas. One of the big ones is taxes. And as we talk about, you know, what came up today, we talked about estate taxes. Mm -hmm. We talk about those things that are affecting farmers, that are affecting rural areas. And, but then we also have the trade issue. And so I sit on the uh, trade subcommittee for Ways and Means, and that is huge. We talked about that today, too. You know, open, you know whether it be um, enforcing USMCA or opening up new markets, how we're dealing with um, other countries so that we have markets for our products. At a farm event near Elbow Lake on Friday, Fishbach highlighted Mexico's proposed ban on biotech corn imports. They are breaking the treaty. They are breaking, they are not following through on what they agreed to. Um, and so we need to just continue continue to go after them and make them understand that this is this is this is not the way that we want to deal with we do not want them refusing to take our products and so we've been after ambassador Ty to do that it's kind of like when we um, handled the Canadian milk issue you know we had the issue where they weren't uh, they weren't following the um, agreement in USMCA so we want to make sure that we keep up and keep on the administration to do that and really follow through so that we do have a do we do have that market for our GMO corn Minnesota Biofuels Association Executive Director Brian Werner addressed the Agri-Women's Harvest of Knowledge Conference in Grand Forks Friday. Werner highlighted the organization's work to promote and find potential for biofuels to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. We strongly supported a state program that would provide cost share assistance to retailers that want to update their infrastructure so that they can dis distribute those higher blends. So that's first and foremost. But I think second, the state of Minnesota right now is currently examining potentially doing a, a clean transportation standard. And, and we just want to make sure that any sort of clean transportation standard program in the state of Minnesota takes biofuels into account, specifically just the, the, the work that biofuels have done already to reduce carbon emissions, but also the more work that they can do going forward. Werner says on a federal level, they are grateful for bipartisan support, but still need to help educate on the benefits of biofuels. We've been very blessed in that support, but I think the biggest thing is is when you have that bipartisan support, you, you get the folks on the fringes on both sides, whether that's the oil industry that pushes back on, on higher blending or whether that's um, you know some of the folks that, that talk a lot about the land use change 
um, and the environmental um, kind of impacts of, of biofuels overall. Um, so, I mean, you know, we have certainly tried our best to get out there and, and hit the ground and, and dispel a lot of those myths that are out there. But I, I think we, we, we feel pretty confident that our bipartisan support that we've gotten historically um, is, is, has been super helpful uh, in the past and it's going to be helpful. U.S. and Chinese officials met this past week to prepare for a summit between President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping. The summit will be held in conjunction with an annual meeting with Pacific Rim leaders in mid-November in San Francisco. No guarantee Xi will participate in the summit, but both sides are trying to find a way to ease tensions between the two superpowers. The Farm Bill process was put on a shelf when Congress was trying to elect a new speaker with a full legislative agenda. Lawmakers will have a difficult time completing the Farm Bill before the end of the year. Minnesota Milk Producers Association Executive Director Lucas Schostrom says an extension may be needed. We're okay with an extension. It gives us more time to research and shore up things. Uh, I think everybody agreed here that most of the programs are, are working well, working very well, really. Let's not rush things through. Let's, let's get it done right. If the farm bill is not completed before the end of the year, it reverts to permanent law with a parity price based on the markets from 1910 to 1914. If you ask a farmer if they would like $50 per hundredweight milk instead of $15 per hundredweight milk, they would like that for about three days until the market's gone because that's what will happen January 1st. So the dairy cliff will make the farm bill get done in, in some way, shape or form. So I think we have some good assurance that something's going to happen. Uh, we would love a good farm bill rather than just an extended farm bill. That includes the updates to dairy margin coverage, um, continuation of, of our crop insurance programs, and uh, we'd love to see those contracting principles in there, but um, I, th I think we want assurance. So it'd be nice to have an extension sooner rather than later. Chostrom was part of an event Friday at Elbow Lake, Minnesota, honoring Minnesota Representative Michelle Fishbach. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Good morning. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. New crop calves are starting to shuffle through sale barns. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has more. Rugby livestock owner Cliff Matson says new crop calves are coming through the barn and he's seen a peak before the snow system came through. Yes, we uh, actually just had our first big sale last week or bigger sale than normal. Um, it was a couple thousand head and uh, yeah, so we got a good good test of the market for the feeder calves. Um, we also had a fair amount of yearlings at that sale. So yeah, it was an all around good, good sale. Um, all things considered, the future's being down really hard all week. Um, we got along just fine on the feeder calves and the yearlings, you know, they, they're off a little bit too as well, but they're still bringing good money. They're going to come a month earlier this year. Um, a lot of people with the prices being so good, they just want to sell right off the cow. Matson says after the dip in prices, he'd like to see the market peak before the end of the year. When the yearlings came, the prices got really, really good. And I think we got really, really good really fast. And it took a little bit for the market to adjust. Um, I, I think we're starting to, hopefully we're going to stabilize. I would rather see longevity on this market than a quick, you know, everybody remembers 2014-15 all too well. And I, I hate to see just a one and done deal. Um, hopefully, you know, we can get some longevity out of this. As far as the, the peak of the market, they, they keep saying there's maybe going to be another run, you know, but it might not be till after the first of the year. But I'm just hoping that we can get some kind of stability and it's not so volatile right now. Um, the market's been kind of all over the board. 
Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Sierra Doctor here on the Red River Farm Network. According to a report from Rabobank, consumers are taking a more cautious approach to food purchases. Third quarter restaurant transactions are down 3% from one year ago. The report said consumers are also being more careful with spending at the supermarket. In addition to the impact on food spending, consumers are making efforts to make smarter decisions. Consumers have explored new options, including warehouse clubs and big box stores. As we check in on the markets, uh, some lower prices for wheat and corn. The Minneapolis wheat December contract down six and a half at 713 and a quarter. Chicago wheat for December at 567 and three quarters, down seven and three quarter. And the hard red winter wheat, same contract down eight and a half. Dees corn down one and a quarter cents at 479 and a half. March down one and a half. Soybeans two and a half higher. The November contract 1299 and three quarters. January a three cent gain. 1322 and a half. As we check in on the farm calendar, the Crop Outlook and International Durham Forum will be taking place Wednesday and Thursday in Minot. Uh, they are going to have the addition of the Northern Canola Growers Association meeting at that conference. Uh, one of their speakers, Jacob Shapiro, the geopolitical analyst that's going to be on their schedule. This is the week for the National FFA Convention. They're expecting over 68,000 FFA members and supporters at uh, Indianapolis for that national convention. Of course, we'll have broadcast coverage right here on the Red River Farm Network. Make it a great day, a great week. This is the Red River Farm Network.